Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, all. We are joined by Natalie Mackey. She is the founder and CEO of Glow Concept, which owns the brand Winky Locks, among others. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, Natalie. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Our listeners are curious about the career paths and journeys of executives in the beauty industry, and they want to hear your honest and authentic story and get to know the person behind the brand. And well, we think we so- you certainly have a really interesting story to tell. Thank uh, before you. we dive into your journey, will you just tell us a little bit about um, Winky Locks and what led you to create this brand? Totally. Um, well, Winky Locks is our fastest growing brand right now, and it is. A really, um, it's a really whimsical kind of luxury, fun, um, almost kitschy brand, and it's at a really affordable price. Um, and the the reason that we started it is that my business partner and I, we we always had this multi brand approach, and we we were kind of tech people, and we knew we had this great supply chain, and we knew we could do a lot of cool stuff with it. And we started doing focus groups and we interviewed about 200 girls between the ages of 19 and 29. I'm sorry, between 16 and 29, which is kind of the demographic we were really excited about because they were so different. And at least the way that they were buying beauty was really different. And we originally thought that we would create a tech platform that would help them curate products. And so we started this process and my business partner, who's, who I think a lot of times is, you know, this really wise sort of like prudent voice in our, our world, um, <laughs> he, was, he was like, well, we should probably make sure people want to use this platform before we like really deep dive into development. So we, we started this focus room, started recruiting girls and, um, we would have them dump out their makeup bags and we would give them kind of a, you know, a three, four minute little interview about the products they had and where they found them and, you know, what they were looking for. And the first thing that we found, we found a lot of really fascinating things. Um, but the most important thing we found was that nobody cared about our platform. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was like, yeah, I don't know if I'd use that. So that was really good information because we hadn't started to spend any money on it. So it was really useful. Um, so we, but what we were finding was the, everyone was dumping out their makeup bags. About 70% of their beauty products were drugstore beauty products. And then, and then they would have these sort of coveted, beautiful, what we called like treasure pieces. So they'd have a Charlotte Tilbury lipstick or they'd have mm. a, um, you know, a, Chanel eyeliner or lip liner and what they were doing. And this, this was the pattern that we started to see. We know that there's a lot. We actually, one of the, you know, kind of the big secrets in the beauty industry is that there's a lot of really great product at the drugstore level. So we don't care if someone's buying their beauty at the drugstore. Um, but they kept apologizing for it. What did that sound really like? Strange. What was an example, an apology? Sure. It sounded just like this. Oh, that foundation's actually really good. I, I just had to, I had to get it because I ran out of my Armani foundation uh-huh. and we weren't leading them and we weren't saying, you know, why did you buy this 
$15 foundation. <laughs> you know, we just didn't say that. And they, but they felt this need to like explain why they had the drugstore product. They were almost embarrassed, which is even really at the younger fit. ages that like the 16 year olds, even, they even at the younger too. ages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was funny too, is if you had a group of girls and if we were some, some of the interviews we conducted, um, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't scientists. We didn't do like a true in, in hindsight, I wish we did more control groups. Um, but when we were doing these, you know, like big group things, the youngest girls would always be obsessed with the luxury stuff. They were like, they wanted to touch it. And they, if they saw another girl had it, they wanted to pick it up. And, you know, it was shiny. And it was like, it was a really interesting thing to see over and over and over again. It's one thing to see it once, but when you see it over 200 girls and it becomes a pattern. So we thought, okay, this is interesting. They all want and covet this luxury experience. They love these these really beautiful high-end packages. They love this high-end branding, which everybody loves. But the reality is that they really can't afford that. And, I mean, recent college grads now have, like, some of the lowest quality of life ever. There was a big New York Times article recently that said, actually, it's a Wall Street Journal, sorry, that said recent college grads finally getting jobs. That was the headline. Mm. But if you read the whole right. article, what it should have said, the headline should have been, recent college grads finally getting jobs still extremely broke. Right. <laughs> because right. the article goes on to talk about the, the, the cost of living has gone up. The average student loan debt is $30,000. Um, this is a, a generation of girls that are on a different budget. And there are a lot of marketers, I think, want to believe that they have this unlimited income, but they really don't. So what we set out to do is create this super luxury experience that you could get for like a dollar more than a drugstore product. I love that. I love that because, well, first of all, um, when I was a college student, when I was in my young 20s, I couldn't afford the expensive stuff. Um, And I of course to go to the drugstore. I mean, but you wanted to pick up something and feel good about the purchase and not pick up something and be like, this is all I can afford. Right. You wanted to have totally. pride. And I, I don't think that, you know, I'm dating myself, but way back then, um, th- there were only, you know, the few legacy brands that we know. Um, and then anything cheaper than that was really like a throw eye. Right. Um, totally. and there was no pride in purchase. And, um, you know, now that we have so many newer brands, more innovative brands entering the marketplace, it's really time for, like, great affordable products. Um, I'm so I excited agree. that you stumbled on this. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> well, I think, I think beauty is, and people in the industry will hate me for saying this, but beauty is one of the last big holdouts of margin protection. There is... There are five companies that dominate about 90% of the space, and there's almost a gentleman's agreement between them that everything is going to, they're going to protect their margin at all costs, and mm-hmm. particularly in luxury. And that, in fashion, that's gone away. You know, the lots of companies with better supply chains have kind of, for better or worse, destroyed the other parts of the fashion industry. So... There's been a, you know, technology has really changed the way that that works. I mean, I think Zara produces products in like eight weeks or less. So if it's on the runway, it's in a Zara store really quickly afterwards. Um, and that it's kind of a, it's an interesting 
paradigm because there really is a ton of room to bring the prices down in luxury and still make a lot of money, particularly when you can access the customer directly. But, you know, if, if you say this in a group of beauty executives, they're like, blasphemy. You know? Right. Like, well, never. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing 90% gross margin. We're seeing that with Marcia Kilgore's latest launch and the name of it escapes me, but it's like a club, right? You join the club and you get, you know, yes. product for, yes. you know, a much significantly lower price. Right. And then it also, I mean, I love how your concept falls on the heels of um, Wet n Wild, which at this point I would say is a legacy brand, um, totally revamping and rebranding and working harder to give their customers pride to purchase and make them feel like they're, they're part of something and not like a last resort. Um, totally. So I'm so excited about this concept. But now let's talk about you. Enough about your brand. Let's talk about <laughs> you. Because, uh, I mean, I think that's what um, our listeners really want to hear, the, the backstory, like what drove you here. And after talking to you, I learned that you are most certainly a serial entrepreneur. Um, why do you think this path keeps calling you? Um, I think I, I always had, I mean, entrepreneur, there's, a, there's an old saying, entrepreneurs do what other people won't so that later they do what other people can't. Um, I think that that's always been something that I aspired to. I always wanted to what build does that something mean? bigger. I think that the, you almost, and I, I know that you probably agree with this, but <laughs> there's something about um, that, like, diehard entrepreneurial spirit that's almost like a screw loose, right? Like, you have, to be willing to, <laughs> you have to be willing to work extremely hard for very, very little money. I think there's this, like, imaginary world where people are like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, and it's going to be great because I'm going to make the same amount of money or more, and then I'm going to work less but it's the opposite. You work a lot more. You make a lot less, particularly in the beginning. Um, sometimes you make nothing in the beginning for years. Um, and you also have less freedom. It's not more freedom. You do control your own destiny, though. And that was the thing that I really always wanted was to control my own destiny. And I always wanted the opportunity to make a lot more money. And I, I never saw that as um, something that I could do even working, you know, even a long time ago in finance, like I, I just never saw the opportunity to make an absolute ton of money or to work with the people that I really love. And now, I mean, I think one of the, you know, I, I, I'm not rich yet, but one of the things that I can say that I have that I, you know, I'm thankful for every day is I get to wake up and go to work with incredible team of people that I really like. Um, and that I think is really rare. I, I can't, I, you, you might have the same feeling when you walk into your office, like these are my people, you know, they, I, I like each and every one of them. Each and every one of them has a lot of talent. Um, I'm learning from them. It's a really fun environment. Um, you know, this idea of, um, an entrepreneur has a little bit of a screw loose. Um, I, I do relate to it. I, I never really thought of it in that way. I just thought that, um, I'm not really employable in my regular world. Same. Like my, <laughs> I, I have a really hard time with hierarchy it, um, and these like kind of antiquated office rules, like really, like I cha really challenge me. Like it, it like makes me um, itchy and um, the, the protocols and the hierarchy and the like unwritten rules 
um, totally. I'm always really uncomfortable with. I, I, think I, I don't my, think I had an option. <laughs> like, I think yeah. it was this or yeah. us. I agree. I agree. And it's, it's, I mean, certainly it's, you know, the long, the long road, but I think that long term it can be a really just incredibly rewarding. But I agree with you. I think my biggest, I think I would be so upset in an environment where, I mean, like my biggest fear would be talking to someone and saying, why are we doing this this way? It doesn't make sense. Like we could do this a better way. We could do this a more innovative way. And them saying, well, this is just the way it's done. Right. Like that would right. frustrate me. And when you have your own business, you can, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to innovate and create, you know, systems that really work for you or that you think, you know, that fit your vision. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's a good life. I find a lot of like camaraderie with other female entrepreneurs now because it's a, it's just a, a rarefied world. <laughs> Right. Especially in our industry. I mean, you know, I think what's so unique about beauty is there, there really aren't that many barriers to entry, right? Like, you know, if, if you really want to do it, um, you can have some drive and a little money and do it. So we're, we have access to so many entrepreneurs at all different levels of growing their business. And I mean, I didn't know, I only knew what I knew, right? Is that the saying? I, you know, I, I only know what I know. And um, to be able to talk to other people who are growing their businesses and learn from them and like have like open dialogue, like non-competitive, just open dialogue is really incredible and probably very rare, I would think, in other industries. Totally. I think women, I mean, this is, we're kind of the first generation that had, that can build a real support network. And men have kind of, uh, they've always had that, you know, they've had this, um, they've had a lot of friends who are also doing what they're doing and they've had, you know, guys that they could bond with that are kind of in the position position that they want to be. Um, and this is kind of the first generation where we have some real success stories that we can look up to and say, great, that woman is really crushing it. How do I get a connection with her? And I find women are really happy to talk with you. Like girls, this like the girls, girls thing is real, and I think that um, I think there's a lot of like great networks of of successful female entrepreneurs that I've learned a ton from. It's still a much smaller pool than men, but well, you know what's so interesting, and I didn't know it at the time. Like it's when I started my business, I didn't realize how important a network is. I just sort of thought like you go off and you do this, um, and I I really was convinced that everyone else had a network because they went to school with the right people or they grew up with the right people. I thought it was just sort of like, you know, bred into them. I didn't realize that they, you, you make this happen. But when, when I finally figured that out, I just started reaching out to people that I thought were interesting on LinkedIn and like people responded and met me for coffee. And now some of them are advisors to our agency. And, um, you know, it's kind of incredible that you can just say, hi, can you talk? And that people will talk with you. I think that some of the most successful people are, um, are really open to like helping other people. I think that they were their ones, at, at least the ones that I've met. Most most of them are are excited to um, to to talk. There, I read this book um, written by a friend of mine called The Creators Code, um, written by a woman named Amy Wilkinson, uh, who is a Stanford professor, and she talks about. She interviewed the top some of the. 200 most successful entrepreneurs in the country. And she talks about, um, 
gifting small favors and how she saw this as a pattern in really successful people. And I'm probably butchering her, her exact words. Mm. <laughs> so if she ever hears this, sorry. <laughs> um, but people giving uh, other people like, like small gifts, not physical gifts, but things like, oh, I know you're looking for a digital marketing director. I know someone who's really good. Let me introduce you. Um, I know that you're looking for trade financing. I know a great company. Let me introduce you. Um, even if you don't get anything out of it, I think that those, those things kind of build really deep relationships over a long period of time. And, and that's how, you know, when you need that same type of stuff, you can reach out to the network and say, you know, hi guys, I'm looking for X, Y, or Z and, and people jump to kind of help you. Yeah, this um, idea of sharing and giving back and um, supporting each other is, is beautiful. And when you find that network of people that um, can do that with you um, and for and you can do it for them, it's really magical. Um, so totally. I wanted to shift gears a little bit because um, you told us that you're ca- called in from vacation. And yeah. I uh, mentioned <laughs> to you that for the first time in 10 years, last month, I took the first vacation where I really didn't work. Um, and I never like, you know, I, I guess I never thought it was bad that I was working on vacation. It was just like, you know, work doesn't feel like work for me. It's just, you know, if I can be at Disney world and make, you know, a few emails or phone calls in the morning and then have the rest of the day at magic kingdom, I'm happy. Um, but, um, you know, it was kind of a milestone for me. Um, why don't you tell me about your feelings around, like, I guess, time management and how being an entrepreneur, um, you know, does or does not kind of take over your life. Oh yeah, there's there's no boundaries between personal and professional for me. So I'm I'm working all the time, really. And I don't I don't know if it's not healthy. I don't know how to do it any other way. I just I love what I'm doing, so I constantly am doing it. So and it kind of it still stresses me out. So I, I, as I was saying, I'm like you're I'm putting that on my sort of goal sheet is, you know, maybe in a few years having a team that's so, and our team is amazing not to uh, diminish the team. They're incredible, but they're still just, they're all spread thin and there's so much work to be done. Um, and it's exciting work. It's a lot of fun stuff. Um, but I, I looking forward to the day when I can actually maybe completely shut off. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to like physically remove my phone <laughs> from me. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it's there. There's not, I mean, my friends are people that are in the industry too. And, um, you know, a lot of events that I go to are industry slash social events. Um, and yeah, it's, it, there's not much of a hard line between like personal and professional. You've, um, you've been honest with me about the fact that you, um, you consider yourself sort of like single minded in nature, right? You're, you're on this, totally. you're building this, and this is what you're focused on. Um, but, um, tell us about, you know, some of the personal costs that comes with that. Um, you totally. know, maybe p- people don't even realize happens in the life of an entrepreneur. Oh, totally. I think that, I, about a year ago, we've, we've had this business for a little over two years. Winky Lux is, is only about 16 months old, but, um, the business has grown exponentially. So we went from, you know, a tiny little startup to being sold in 60 countries and thousands of doors and, 
you know, launching new products every two weeks. And it's, it's been a lot of growth, which is really exciting. But about a year ago, I had to sort of, I felt a lot of guilt around the fact that I didn't, I didn't travel the same way I used to. I still traveled a lot, but it was mostly for work. And I didn't, you know, host parties. I had this like passion for hosting dinner parties. I don't do that anymore. Um, I gained some weight and I don't work out as much as I used to. And that's actually something that I think that I've now started to really focus on more because I think it's really important for your mental health. Um, but about a year ago, I had to kind of say, like, forgive myself for not doing some of those things and say, look, this is where you're at in your life. And for me, it really, I, I really, my whole life is around this business and that's kind of what I do. So I, I am, I'm happy going full force into it, but it is at a cost. You know, I, there are certain friends I don't see that much anymore. And I, you know, I try to text them and reach out and, you know, I try to let them know that I still care about them, but they're, they're just, I think there's this imagine men don't get this, by the way, <laughs> men are not expected to have it all, you know, like they're, they have like a wife who handles the social part and the, you know, the, and, and everyone kind of forgives them because they're working all the time. And in fact, they get like a pat on the back. So like you're a hard worker too. Um, I think women have this idea that like you can have everything you want all at the same time. And you can run like a really fast growing organization and have like this like beautiful social life and travel schedule. And there, I mean, time is finite. So <laughs> I think the movies like make it seem like that's possible. And for me, it's just not possible. Like this is, um, you know, there hasn't been a weekend where I haven't gone into the office in a really, really long time. And I'm okay with that because you know, I'm building something that I think is important, but it does come at a pretty steep cost as far as, you know, and, and I don't know if I'll look back and say, I wish I had made more time for certain things, or if I'll look back and say, thank God, I, you know, went off the wall for five years and now we're really set up. Right. You know, it makes me think of, um, when I had kids and now they're older in elementary school, but when they were babies and like first born, <laughs> like I was completely focused, single-minded. It was all about feeding the baby, changing the baby, holding the baby. Who's going to hold the baby? Um, and I, like, didn't shower. Like, I was wearing clothes with spit-up on them, and I was running a business, and I was trying to, like, you know, have a social life. But um, I guess I was doing it all, but I wasn't doing any of it well, you know? Sure. Um, and I And life was, like, um, insanity, like chaos, yeah. I guess chaos is a really better word. Like me with a baby in my arms, a toddler on my leg and Clinique on the phone. Um, yeah. and you know, without a shower. And, um, yeah. so I was doing it all, but, um, not well. And, but I think that was part of my journey. Like I had to, I had to figure out how to do this in a way that's going to be comfortable and healthy and rewarding. And so that was, that, that was the first five years. The first five years was just the, the chaos part and gave me, the chance to learn that like, I don't want to feel this way. Um, I don't want to be overloaded in this way and that maybe doing it all at one time isn't great for me. Maybe I need to compartmentalize and so, you know, focus yeah. on one thing at a time. Um, and I think a lot of people have a similar journey, right? Like try to do everything at once. It doesn't feel that great. 
maybe some people can do it. I couldn't. Um, I still have it all. I just don't do it all at once. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's part of my learning, like my learning about who I am and what motivates me and um, what works for the business and for me personally. Totally. And I bet you're super efficient because every mom that I've met is crazy efficient. Like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know I, any young moms who are not like <laughs> insanely efficient. I actually think they're some of the best like people to work with because they just they like have zero time for any BS and they just get everything done. Yeah, and you know, on our team we have a lot of moms similar age to me with similar age kids, so we are all in the same headspace. I would say about like this is part of our life. It's not the only thing in our life. We're good at this. We love it, but you know, at whatever hour we switch over, you know, um, and then sometimes we switch back and then we switch over. Right. But, um, you know, I think I've learned to take advantage of the fact that, um, I have other things in my day that I want to do other than work. So, you know, in my twenties, when I'd be in an office, I'd be like, you know, sitting around cruising the internet, maybe I'd stay till seven thirty or eight just because I'm like kind of dilly dallying on my work, but I didn't, there was nowhere else for me to be. I, like maybe go to the gym, maybe yeah. go to dinner. Um, and now it's about, yeah, being more compact and effective and um, focused. Totally. I um I saw Kevin Ryan speak maybe a year ago and he did this like little intimate little uh speaking engagement. He's this amazing serial entrepreneur who founded DoubleClick and um, one of the founders of Guilt and Zola. And he, I, I can't remember much of what he talked about, but I remember one thing that he said, which was, I actually think you can only have three priorities. And I think that you can't do much more than three or four things in your life really well. And he mm-hmm. said that his were his business, his children, his family, and working out. And, you know, mm-hmm. that he didn't mm-hmm. know what the coolest restaurants were in New York. He didn't know, like, what, you know, he didn't know lots of stuff about lots of stuff. He just, you know, those were his things. And he felt like he was doing all three of those really well. And I, I was kind of inspired by that and releasing myself from the pressure of trying to do a thousand things and maybe just saying, you know, my help, my business, and my small circle of friends and family are kind of my most important things in my life. And, you know, maybe I won't necessarily become a paddleboarding expert, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Because if I can do those three things, okay. If I can do those things well, then, you know, and I'll have a good life and I'll be really happy. So, um, so that's the, that's the kind of day-to-day goal. Yeah, I love that. And I love three. You know, I think three is makes sense in a lot of places in our lives. And it feels like um, doable and and full at the same time. Um, so my last yeah. question for you, Natalie, um, and, um, you know, I think it's kind of personal, if you don't mind. Um, aside sure. from financial goals, what do you see as your barometer for success? Um, I think building something much bigger than yourself is my barometer for success. So building something that lives and breathes independent of me um, is, is a big part of, of what I do and, and keeping those, I mean, my, my friends and family are um, 
you know, they're super, super important to me and keeping those relationships and like continuing to kind of nurture those relationships. And, um, like I said, you know, I, I have a few like, you know, kind of side dreams, like traveling to Bhutan and Antarctica and places like that. And maybe I won't do that in the very near future, but if I can, you know, if I can keep those things really going, if I can keep building this business and get it super healthy and, and, you know, something much bigger than me and more important, you know, if you, if you have something that, you know, if you get to a point where you have a hundred employees, you're only doing 99, you're only doing 1% of the work. So Mm -hmm. I want to build a great, um, you know, a great organization um, where people are doing great innovative things and, and to just keep those, those relationships like healthy and happy and, you know, and continuing to just enjoy those people in my life. Natalie, this has been such a lovely conversation. I just want to say congratulations on your growth. You've done so much in such a short amount of time in this business. And it's been such a pleasure to learn from you today. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations on your vacation. It is on my mood, my dream work now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll just end with this, that my kind of big fantasy is to like disappear for like a month. Like, I don't think that's going to happen this year, but you know, maybe in, in a few years, like August is just, Totally. I no, want to no be there way. to high five you when you, you'll get there. You'll get there. So when you do, Thanks, I'm gonna, I, I want to have lunch and high five you. Yeah. That's That'd cool. be awesome. Okay. It's, it's yeah. a deal and it's a date. Um, thanks for your time, Natalie. No problem. Thanks for, thanks for chatting, Jody. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.